Hi everyone, and welcome to the Forward Thinking Podcast. It's Chrissy here from CS2. Uh, today we have on the podcast Chloe Pot. She's the Senior Marketing Ops Manager at Localize, and today we're going to be talking about scaling up a small but mighty Mops team. I think a lot of us <laughs> have been on small teams. We're Marketing Ops, as we know, we talk about on the podcast a lot. We're not known for getting a ton of headcount, uh, <laughs> and uh, we do support a lot of groups. So uh, the main thing as the company grows is to figure out how do we, you know, handle all the competing priorities, but still do it with a, a small team. Uh, Chloe has, uh, you know, a history marketing op. She's a three-time Marketo champion um, and has done a lot of great content, including uh, content around scaling up the mighty uh, mops team. So I thought it'd be great to have her come on and share her tips. Um, well, welcome to the podcast, Chloe. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here, Chrissy. Awesome. Um, so we always kind of start with uh, folks' origin story, so how they got into MOPS, and a lot of folks will have, you know, kind of fell into it. So just want to hear yours. And I, I know you're based out of uh, France. We don't have a lot of international folks that end up on the on the podcast, so it's nice to have someone um, in Europe join. So yeah, and also, you know, look at it from the lens of, uh, you know, someone who's working in MOPS in Europe. So apologies for the baby in the background crying. But yeah, I'm also one of those mobsters who, who definitely fell into it. Uh, I did not study marketing in college. I actually started, studied psychology and French. My first job out after doing my studies was at a French tech company, but in the U.S. And I had well, a fancy title was strategic marketing intern which was a cool title at the time for essentially the executive assistant and the person who sat at the front desk and was a receptionist. <laughs> and every once in a while, I'd get the coffee for the CEO. I'd pick up their laundry and then I'd answer the phone. And then one day the marketing team uh, was like, we're doing an event and we need to send email invitations out. Can you like type up all these email addresses in your outlook and like BCC everyone? And so this was, we had no email marketing tool at the time. We had no way to track. We had no CRM and people would respond to my email and say, I'm coming or I'm not coming. And we would track it in an Excel file. And then um, I did that for about three to four months. And then we discovered that there was Eloqua. And so we, we, um, migrated. How did that come about? Did someone go to like a trade show? Like I always think back on like, the buying uh, journeys back then and how they were like a bit different than they are now. But I, I know a lot of, we went to a lot remember. of trade shows at Marketo. This, and This was back in like 2010. Yeah. And I don't even remember how we got onto the, cause I wasn't part of that decision group. Mm -hmm. It was just, I was the receptionist essentially. And then they decided to bring on Eloqua and, and a home, like a, a homemade CRM. Mm -hmm. and that's when I started getting interested in marketing technology and I was like oh I can send emails and make pretty flow charts and on this this canvas and and so I, I just had a knack for it and I, I I got I went with it and then three years later is when I was introduced to Marketo and that was when I had my first migration was from mm. Eloqua to Marketo 
And so we stuck with Marketo for, or we stuck with Eloqua for about two to three years. And I learned a ton, but as you can see, like I didn't apply for a job in marketing operations. I just Mm -hmm. kind of was a receptionist and fell into it. And (laughs) ever since then I've been, it's developed from a receptionist to like demand gen coordinator to marketing ops to now like senior manager for marketing ops. So it's, it's come a long way. Did you, did you study anything like specific in school that like kind of like a technical background or anything like that, that you feel like you brought to that? Yeah. I didn't study anything technical, uh, but I think that my studies in psychology actually pulled me towards the marketing side of things. Mm, mm -hmm. And I remember uh, maybe eight, 10 years ago, marketing operations, well, marketing operations wasn't a huge thing. It was more of like marketing automation and email marketing. So Mm -hmm. what color button should we use? Uh, Why do people get attracted to certain images? And I think that's where my psychology background uh, pulled Mm. me, had had a stronger pull for me into marketing operations at the time. And then like deciding what colors to use, uh, a cool button versus a hot button, um, where on the page people naturally look look at things and the way that in stock images, people, like if their eyes are a certain way, then the, the user who's looking at the image will tend to look the same way. Mm. And it's things like that that I think pulled that from my studies, pulled me in more to the to the email marketing side and then it naturally moved over into marketing automation and then marketing operations. Yeah, I think that's like a, just a good kind of skill set for a marketer, but marketing ops, but really thinking about like user behavior, you know, prospect behavior, like informing kind of like what that client journey or customer journey would look like, but also having empathy too, uh, like for the buyer, like really putting yourself in their shoes and like, okay, how would they, you know, interact with this? Like, you know, would this marketing like hit right? Cause I think that can be a challenge sometimes because marketers always think about like marketing to marketers, unless you are actually mm-hmm. doing that. Like I think um, it takes, you know, some time to really, really think that through and empathize. But also I think we sometimes with marketing, like we're so focused on certain goals. We really kind of like remove the prospect from that, like kind of thinking. And I think more and more now people are moving back to that way of thinking, but it kind of got a little bit lost within the age of like over automation or trying to over process stuff with just like tracking metrics, but really not thinking about the whole journey itself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, well, today we're going to be talking about scaling up a small but mighty mops team. I know unless people are in kind of larger enterprises, which even then in, in some larger companies, the teams can still be quite small. But what do you think are some of the common challenges like small teams face, especially at different sizes? I'm sure it's different, but what I'm sure there's some common things. So I've been in various sizes company, size of companies uh, with different size mops teams. I been in a mops team of one all the way to a mops team of 10 in a global mm. like enterprise company. And the challenges seem to me in my experience are very similar. Um, but specifically for a small mops team, 
Small MOPS teams usually mean, it's not guaranteed, but usually mean that the company is also in their earlier stages mm. of, of their development, of their adventure. If you're the founding MOPS hire, your company is probably under 200 employees. Because mm-hmm. um, anything over that, you're, you can't grow that fast. You, you already need to have marketing automated operations. So that's the first challenge is that smaller MOPS teams have smaller companies, which means they may not have any awareness of what marketing operations is Mm. or what the importance of it is. Um, So when I joined Localize as their founding MOPS hire, they were aware of marketing automation, but they didn't really understand the the breadth and, and depth of what marketing operations actually covers and that it's not just email marketing. Yeah. That it also <laughs> crosses over into sales, sales operations, um, and even and, in, into the product team. And it's very cross-functional. And so I did a lot of early enablement and education at Localize to teach people what is marketing operations. It's not just sending out an email and seeing mm-hmm. who clicks on your ad banner. Um, I think that a couple other challenges that that small mops teams face is getting executive buy-in and support mm-hmm. for marketing operations. Yeah. That one also definitely crosses over into a larger yeah. mops team. I think everyone's trying to get support and buy-in from executives. Mm-hmm. What do you think from your perspective are some of the the reasons why it doesn't? Because we talk about this a lot on the podcast and it's part of the reason I started the podcast because I wanted to elevate like kind of the conversations around marketing ops, but also through a lens that like demand marketers and CMOs and stuff can understand. But what do you think is like one of the reasons for that? Do you feel like it's education that hasn't been done? Do you think that's it hasn't? like marketing ops hasn't been well-defined enough across everyone's orgs, everyone's definition in their head is different or. I think it's a lack of understanding of what marketing ops is and Mm -hmm. that uh, you can have a huge marketing team uh, with demand gen and content and product marketing, and they can put on as many events and launch campaigns as they want. But if they're not following a structure, Mm -hmm. because executives excuse me, what do executives want? They want to see the money. They want to see the ROI. Mm-hmm. And if the marketing team isn't structured and isn't doing things in a way that allows you to do the reporting and to be able to pull analysis from things, you're not going to get anywhere. And so I think that it's difficult to get buy-in from executives because they're not, they don't know that it's marketing operations that is mm-hmm. Their focus is primarily documentations, processes, structure. Like we're mm-hmm. frequently seen as the bad cops. Like yeah. we have to put our foot down and say, no, you can't do it this way, or or you need or I need to course correct what you're doing. It's that we do a lot of firefighting. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the challenge is that we we are seen as the the bad cops. We're always saying no to things because it's a lack of education, a lack of enablement that that's been done. We need, we really need to get the word out there that marketing ops is not the bad. We're not the bad folks. No. We're just trying to add in. I'm trying to make your lives easier Yeah. by adding in structure. Yeah. 
If anything, marketing ops are the enablers, but we need to do it in a way that like makes sense. I think we have to have process and structure because you can't have like two things. You can't like not want, not want process and structure and, and then say, okay, now I need my reporting. Right. (laughs) Even down to, you know, if you want to report on your channels and see how your traffic is coming in and what, you know, that all relies on even like a UTM strategy, which requires, a lot of structure, a lot of, a lot of bad, you know, a lot of, uh, things can go wrong there. So you need process and even down to something as simple as that can mm-hmm. make or break your reporting. So, um, it, yeah, I agree with you. Sometimes operations, sales ops, marketing ops, rev ops, like can all be kind of looked at as the bad, bad guys because they're trying to police things really. But, um, but really it's also with the intention of like trying to get to that end goal, because we know we're still going to then be asked for that reporting too, or, or we're going to be asked like, why did this go wrong? And it's like, well, that's why we have process. (laughs) I've built this process. Why isn't it being followed? (laughs) Yeah. What about any other problems that you think come to mind that teams face? Bandwidth issues. There's Mm -hmm. always, we never have enough bandwidth. We're always trying to yeah. juggle 50 different plates. Um, I, I, I know a lot of folks who are listening in today are aware of the different pillars of marketing operations. So if you have a small team, you have one or two people and you're trying to cover everything from campaign ops to yeah. platform ops to and out to and analytics and reporting and even sometimes mm-hmm. even development if, if Mops yeah. owns a website. So that's a huge amount of work in mm-hmm. a very broad sense that takes many different brains. I mean, a campaign ops brain is not at all the same as a, as a DevOps brain. Right. So a small ops team is going to have bandwidth issues and they're going to, which leads to the, to the last challenge that I thought of is, is trying to stay focused and, and on what are your priorities? Cause you, yeah. if you're a small team, you can't do everything. You have to, stay laser focused on what is going to bring the business forward and what's the most beneficial to, to your business at that time, at that point in time. Yeah. Yeah. I think at CS2, we kind of like have our different teams. Like we have a campaign ops and execution team. We have our like directors of mops and their managers that are majority working on the day to day. And then we do have our solutions architects who are kind of more, uh, on like the more advanced Salesforce work or technical work, or even just like very specific, um, kind of like analytics projects. And you kind of have to do that because I, I think one, one person can kind of take on all those roles throughout their career. They might, but it's true. Like some, yes, it takes like a, sometimes a different person wants to do, or a different brain can wants to do campaign ops versus marketing ops. Yes, you can find people that can do both, but it doesn't mean that that person actually is enjoying doing both or really feels like they can do both. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that where mob folks have just like done it, you know, and they just because like it's been asked of them, but doesn't mean that that was the right thing to do. So I always definitely suggest like teams, if you have someone... <sighs> you know, running campaigns, setting them up, even if it's decentralized, but then also trying to run strategic projects, like the strategic projects will always like 
go to the side because they're never as like immediate as the campaigns are. And you have, you know, your customers that are really loud on the other side for marketing. That's like, I need to get this this, done. (laughs) Yeah. That's one of the things that that I'm living through right now at Localize is we're the, we're growing so fast. The, Mm -hmm. The whole company is driving that race car. And without the engine in it. <laughs> and I'm sitting here recently coming back from maternity leave, um, trying to figure out like what was done while I was out and mm. we've just added another race car. And I, I'm still trying to build the engine of the first mm. one. So it's trying to find that balance of laying those foundational bricks to allow the company to move forward without being too much of a bottleneck. Um, and it's, it, it's challenging, but you know, that's, uh, it's part of being in mops. <laughs> yeah. What do you think is like a top challenge that would be the hardest to overcome without just getting more people or support? I mean, obviously it seems like bandwidth, but do you think that there's kind of like immediate things that come to mind that you just like literally can't do unless you have more people? Education and enablement of, yeah. of and the importance of, of what is mops. Um, yeah. Because it's hard to go out on your like campaign and educate when there's so much stuff to do. Yeah. And having others outside of the marketing team understand and support what MOPS does is, is, is key, I think, for the success, not just of marketing ops, but mm. for the company yeah. overall. And it's a constant, it's a constant ongoing struggle to, to educate mm. new hires as they join an organization of what is the importance of MOPS? Where, where's our documentation? Where's our processes? And just getting more headcount, even in MOPS, it, I don't think even will solve that challenge. It's, mm. uh, you can get as much headcount as you want, but until you have someone who can actually spend their time to educate the whole company, mm. because as I said earlier, MOPS is to, is very cross-functional. It's not mm-hmm. just for the marketing team, um, especially at Localize where I work now. I work daily with our with our product development, with our engineers, mm. um, with uh, our customer success team, and so it's it's really for me the the one of the challenges about uh, that wouldn't be solved with getting more headcount is 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 the education. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's part of a role too that I think a lot of companies maybe even don't have. Like, so they might have a marketing ops team or person, but like, depending on the experience, that person might not even know how do I go about doing that. I think that's actually if people want to expand their skill set, it's trying to figure out how to just work cross functionally better, how to articulate, you know, the benefits of MOPS, like, why they're a strategic function, why they're there, like why it's important, what would happen if they weren't there, what would happen if they had the resources they could. So, but it, it takes time to to do that. And also I think a lot of folks who maybe get into this role aren't naturally like, you know, bound to do that, to go out and kind of be a champion and voice for their team or for themselves, like very much will like take on work, do it, but you know, 
please, you know, kind of like people pleaser kind of check uh, the things off the list. Yeah, check the things <laughs> off the list. Do uh, and so it it can then become very tactical. So I think definitely something we say like kind of. For folks who maybe that is uncomfortable, maybe figure out, you know, maybe even find a mentor across the company who can help champion for you or buddy up or find mm-hmm. someone who can then help you articulate that, um, get into a sales meeting and present, get into a customer success meeting, just like try and do what you can to kind of like make those relationships mm-hmm. Um and I think it'll just naturally then help you figure out the goals of the business, which means you can prioritize better, which mm-hmm. is kind of where I want to go next. Um, mm-hmm. So how do you suggest a small team uh, stay focused on what's important and prioritize? Like you said bandwidth and there's a lot. So how, what are your tips kind of for prioritization? There's a great image uh, that you can find on Google if you, if you search marketing operations maturity model and it's like a a growth curve and it shows levels one through four of uh where like what that describes what is the marketing maturity and where your organization would be in there my recommendation and what i've done at every company i've joined in the past two three years is one of the first things you should do is find out where your company sits on that marketing Mm. maturity model Mm -hmm. um if you're founding Mops Hire, you probably don't want to start attacking attribution from the start. No. <laughs> because you probably also don't have every all those processes and bricks in place to have attribution. Yeah. Start with something a little less mature. I mean, it, it sounds bad, but um, focus, for example, on uh, rolling out a marketing automation tool. A lot of yeah. companies with that have never had marketing ops don't have a marketing automation tool or they might have one that doesn't integrate smoothly with the other tools in their mm-hmm. tech stack. So I would take a look at that maturity model, find out where you are, where your company sits. Of course, everyone wants to get to the top, but make it realistic to find some goals and a roadmap and, and follow that path. I know executives and marketing leaders are going to want the cherry on top of the cake, mm-hmm. but you can't give them the cherry on top of the cake until you bake. Yeah. We could do a, a, a cake uh, analogy or the race car is, yeah, you got to build the, the bricks first. Yeah. I think I was actually talking about this with, um, with Charlie, uh, a partner at CS2 and, um, we were talking about just like growth. And I think there's a lot of expectations. Well, one, there's just been expectations, just whether it's in tech and SaaS or even just in our lives where people are like instant results. I'm going to do trying to find a shortcut to success or try and do things as fast as possible to help you get to, you know, like what you're saying, like, you know, you're, a sophisticated standpoint, you know, it's like, it's like when people say like, Oh yeah, I'm going to help you lose like 10 pounds in one week. It's like, that just doesn't <laughs> happen. And that's not longevity. That's not like long-term health and it's not habits. Sustainable. <laughs> no, not sustainable. And so I agree. Like you need to, and even with like companies, the way they grow, you know, we're feeling that now if companies grew too fast or took on too much, had like uh, we're burning through cash and and maybe not thinking about profit. 
you know, they're doing layoffs now. And so I think um, it's okay to take things in time. You're going to get a lot of pressure to move fast, like you said, especially from executives, because like they are also under those same pressures, especially when you have um, VC-backed startups that have these goals put in front of them. But it's always easier to, yeah, maintain a car, like something that's in motion, it's so much easier to just keep it in motion than if you like stop it. And that's what marketing ops can be. If you try to get too much ahead of yourself, you can then have to go backward, rebuild, you build a lot of technical debt, and then you'll have to face that at some point. So I always feel like it's good, almost like simplicity is sophisticated <laughs> at some points, because if you're just keeping things running with and without issues or without any problems, yes, it might not be super advanced, but if it works, that's almost like, that's sophisticated. Being able to yeah. do that is actually mm-hmm. quite challenging. So if you're able to just build on, build on and do it in a, in a good way, that will be scale, but still make sense for the company. I think that's a kind of a good goal to have, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I do like what you talked about with the maturity, um, the maturity curve. And a lot of folks, yeah, want to jump to like, oh, I want to do attribution, like you said, or I want to do, you know, X, Y, Z. And you don't even have like a strong foundation for even, you know, setting up your campaigns. And it's like, well, (laughs) the attribution is going to tell you how to do your campaigns better. Like it's, it's just going to try and inform you or give you data. So, but none of that's going to make sense unless things are set up properly or, you know, might as well focus on making the setup good from the start. So, um, just like your UTM example, (laughs) I can't give you attribution if we're not doing UTMs properly. Does that affect attribution? Exactly. Um, yeah, we have those conversations all the time. It's part of the reason at CS2 we kind of go in now and we do, we start with a new client. I don't like calling it an audit, but we do kind of an assessment and we can kind of like look across the board and then give people kind of health scores of where they are and tell them kind of based on their maturity. And then for everything that maybe then we can roadmap based on high effort, uh, low effort, but then also impact. Um, and I think prioritization too, I think it's good for folks to think about trying to look at like what's going to be high impact, um, you know, and, and high effort, high impact, low effort. It's a good to have a mix of both because it's good to show progress. So if you're only choosing high impact, high effort projects, people are waiting around like, what are you doing? Or when is this going to be done? That's when you're not going to get that executive support and that that we ultimately need to get more headcount is you have to Mm -hmm. deliver some quick wins from the beginning to start building that that relationship and that that uh, that external cheerleader of yeah of someone who supports mops totally mm-hmm. so definitely suggest uh, folks have a mix of that it's okay to have quick wins it's a good thing if you can identify mm-hmm. them mm-hmm. Um, then definitely definitely do them um, when you've presented on this topic you've had some great tips on how to survive um, <laughs> with a small mops team. Um, do you mind just kind of walking us through those tips and maybe even new things you've like learned, like maybe even now, cause I know 2022 feels even still a bit different than it did like back in 2020. I, we did some rewinds recently on some episodes and I'm like, Oh, I feel a little bit differently on that now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
how to survive with a small mobs team. Well, what I just talked about, the marketing maturity model, is that's the first mm-hmm. tip is do an analysis and help your your marketing team and your organization understand where you fall and what you can realistically do right now. Mm-hmm. And essentially like level the playing field. Say out front, like if you're at a level one, I can't give you a level four yeah. tomorrow or even in a quarter. Let's focus on what we can do now and build out that roadmap to where we want to get to. Um, prioritize, which relates to the first tip of where do you want, like, where are you today? Where do you want to go? Build that roadmap out. That roadmap out. And you don't have to, it doesn't have to be detailed. It can be, no. it can be very generic, high level of mm-hmm. establishing processes, building a, an integrated tech stack, um, enabling like a self-serve model where our marketers can start doing things on their own without mops being a bottleneck. Um, Other tip is finding that, that cheerleader, find someone who's not in marketing, who can, who can be your rah, rah, yes person Mm -hmm. uh, who will support mops. Um, As I was saying, mops is very cross-functional. So if that cheerleader can be in a separate department, even better, Mm-hmm. Um, and so doing that education and enablement, if you can do it with someone who's not another marketing ops person, it will help. Um, in my experience, it's helped to get things like over the finish line. When you have someone in product who is, mm. who ha- who understands the benefit of this or someone even in sales ops, yeah. Um, and my experience at Localize is I have a great relationship with our sales ops team. Mm-hmm. And um, since we've moved under a rev ops umbrella, we now have uh, customer success ops and a data mm-hmm. team and, and, and uh, business analysts. And so we work together as a cross-functional ops team. And so we all are each other's cheerleaders. So when we mm-hmm. need to convince the sales team on a strategic initiative, you've got the whole like backing of the RevOps uh, army per se. <laughs> and um, my last tip is to document everything, everything, mm-hmm. everything, everything, especially if you're a small team, because mm-hmm. you're going to forget things and you're not going to be able to, to continuously repeat them over and over to new hires mm-hmm. or to, or to not new hires. Um, so find a place that you can document all your processes, decisions that you've made, mm-hmm. why we went with this tool over this one, why we didn't do this. Um, that way, so that when you one day do get money, revenue, budget for hire, you have that his- the historical lay mm. of the land of, of how you've got there. Yeah. I like that a lot because I, I a lot of time we think of documentation of like how things are set up or to go through a certain process, but very rarely do you have also the backstory of like why we chose this, what were the other options, like what you know why we didn't go down that route. So I think that's a really good tip that a lot of people would miss out on of like historical context or even adding on like a kind of expected like frequently asked questions kind of area to your documentation of what you think might come up um Mm -hmm. I think documentation is like it's so 
it's like it's tough it's tough especially when you're in a small team and you just want to get things out the door and then move on like documentation will kind of fall to the wayside so if you can get into a habit of doing it it'll save you though because yeah someone's going to come on the team someone's going to have a question one day so if you're able to point them to a video or some type of document um I think that's key. At, at CSU, we always kind of like start a project with a with a document, which then helps us over time. Then you just clean it up, you maybe add on to it, and maybe record a Loom video of just like the setup or something. It still takes time, but it's almost good for just organization and planning in general. But um, you'll it takes you'll always time up front, but it will yeah. save you so much time in the long run. Yeah, I'm figuring out a way to then deliver that documentation, organize it too. Because for some folks, it's not even just having the documentation, but if you can get your documentation into a way where people can find it themselves too, if you use like Guru or if you have like an intranet at your company, I definitely suggest figuring out a way where you can kind of like organize some of that. Mm-hmm. Almost have like a hub um, that you can point people to. Um, it, it's very useful. Mm-hmm. I can say for having used it uh, internally before I started a company, but even now, um, we're, we even build up our own like and guru and have a lot of documentation there. And you can set up things with like even Slack, where if you start to search for something, it'll look into a platform to see if there's documents for th- for that. So it can be really good lifesaver. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. And then, okay, so for some folks, it, like when they're trying to make the case or decide when it's time to invest in headcount, because sometimes that'll be a decision that they need to come up with themselves. But um, how do you think you know, or when would you, when do you think are kind of good cases to then invest in headcount if there's the budget for it? I think that's the big caveat these days is if there's the budget and if yeah. there's not a recession. Um, and unfortunately there's a lot of companies that are going through budget cuts and, and layoffs right now. So, Mm -hmm. um, if anyone is looking to join mops, I mean, there's so many, uh, communities out there, yeah, uh, Slack groups, user groups, I mean, definitely join them and, and get support you need if you're looking for a mops job. But how do you know when it's time to invest in headcount? I always feel like it's time to invest in headcount. Yeah. <laughs> we, MOPS is always shorthanded, um, but we have to be realistic. Um, mm-hmm. So I think for for me in, in the two recent companies that I've been in, when we've started to outgrow our tech stack, mm-hmm. um, when we have too many tools mm-hmm. to manage, it could mean two things. <laughs> One, we have too many tools and we need to sunset some. And, mm-hmm. and streamline or if you've already analyzed that and they're the like you're at the basic bare bones of what you need to get things keep things running mm-hmm. um, but when your tool changes start impacting the marketing team um, if your full if your day-to-day job is just managing tools and you're unable to support like the campaign operation side of things Mm-hmm. then you really do start need to, to invest either into hiring internally or getting an agency, uh, mm-hmm. a, a consultant to come in and help mm-hmm. help manage your stack so that you can focus on 
the day-to-day of, of ensuring that the marketer's jobs are easy and that they can reach their goals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I think with like, if there's a rise in, in people, if there's a rise in technology or if there's a rise in the amount of process that you need, which are kind of like, you know, main typical pillars of, of operations, but as those start to outgrow your team size, like that's just when I think naturally you need to think about more headcount. Like the tools have automation in the name, but like they don't run themselves. Like if anything, they need an owner, the large, and then a tool is also dependent on what's being put into it. So the more marketers, the more process that you have, the more maintenance it needs, the more people it needs even onto that tool. So it's not even a direct like one-to-one kind of relationship. And so thinking about, you don't want someone's job to just be maintaining a tool. Um, but like, as you add on to your tech stack, figuring out how can we spread that? And that could, like you said, it could be an agency supporting as well, mm-hmm. um, or a consultant. And then, but also people, like, I, I think that's the big one. Like if you're growing out your mar- marketing team and the marketers, um, or the people that you're supporting say, now your go to market strategy also changes. And now you want to do PLG or something like that doesn't mean that same last person can then take on all of that as well. You need to think about like the resourcing or figure out where you're going to like cut their time from other places. Cause something's got to give. Well, and I was, I'm wondering if there's an algorithm that we can use to like how many, when it gets to, when your marketing team gets to a certain size, like how do you know when you need to start adding <laughs> support? <laughs> we did a little bit of a survey like that. We looked across a, like a bunch of companies, especially starting with just our clients. And we looked at, okay, what is the size of like their revenue team? And then how many MOTS people they, do they have? And then, and then kind of doing a little calculation of having like a agency as well. At the time, and that was like three years ago or something, we saw an average was like one to 12 um and that was like on the good side we saw it was like for that was a well-built team it was for if you include like the whole revenue team with sales teams it ended up being like one to 50 (laughs) and or it could be even more um we had some companies that like didn't even have a mom's person so they were just using agency help with someone who was like ops minded Mm-hmm. but really was running demand gen. So that's only half mm-hmm. a person mm-hmm. too. So, um, but I, I think if we, in a good space, if you can kind of maybe be, I mean, maybe even just on the marketing side, but think of it also as like you said, the cross-functional teams that you're supporting, it's really hard for one person to maybe do all of that. So one thing I've done is I've kind of split out my team to be almost like a liaison for certain cross-functional team so some person handled customer marketing and and like partner and then another person did demand gen only Mm -hmm. and then another person did field marketing only and so Mm -hmm. they were also working on strategic projects but they were kind of like that liaison and expert for those groups because they were able to build up all of that knowledge but also um kind of build a relationship with those teams. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that can be really useful because it's just too hard to maintain all those relationships and know everything from a leader. You'll get that from working with your team, but that can be a great way to kind of decide when to bring on more people is like, who's going to manage those relationships with your, um, 
your definitely. customers. Yeah, definitely. Mm. <laughs> um, okay, so I know we're just hitting time, um, but do you have, I know you have like three essential tips for those who are scaling. So can you quickly walk through uh, those? And then um, from those tips, if you think that there's one thing that you often see small teams doing wrong, what would it be? So my three tips um, of marketing operations in general is focusing on the people, the processes, and the technology. And that's essentially what marketing operations does is that we are bl- we're blending together the marketers with the technology by using different processes and, and having those put in place. And so what does that mean really? Uh, the processes is, is the documentation element that we talked about to help with enablement and adoption. Technology element is uh, focusing on ensuring that you have the right technology for your team and not vice versa. Don't pick mm-hmm. technology because it's pretty shiny and you want it. It's <laughs> If you have a, a marketing team that's not very tech savvy, then maybe you need a technology that's not very difficult mm. to use. Yeah, that's a good point. I think a lot of people kind of miss that point. Yeah. yeah. And lastly is, is the people. Um, people in marketing and also people in, in your MOPS team is certifications and, and, and degrees can mean so much, but in my experience is finding someone to join your team who is flexible and open to learn is much more reliable than someone who has certifications of all the different platforms that are out mm-hmm. there. Cause anyone can yeah. take a test and pass it. Um, That's true. Um, yeah. One thing that I see a lot of mops, small mops teams doing, doing incorrectly myself included right now is that, um, we're not focusing on laying those foundational bricks um, mm. and we're trying to drive that race car really fast and catch mm-hmm. up with everything. When I know that we can't just stop the business and put those, those, those like foundational layers in place, but you have to, at some point, you have to find yeah. that balance between not slowing down the business, but also building the pathway to allow others to be more self-sufficient so that MOPS isn't the bottleneck because frequently a lot of organizations and a lot of marketing teams see MOPS as being the the bottleneck in getting things out the door. So if you Mm -hmm. have the time, spend that extra time laying out your processes and training users that are not in MOPS on how to use your tools so that you're not firefighting and course correcting all the time. You can also focus on doing those strategic initiatives that are always really fun. Yeah. And I think for some folks that are really struggling to, to get the extra headcount or support building, like number one, I would work on like kind of what you said, like enablement or building out a decentralized model, because like we said, like campaigns or that like day-to-day execution can really be what a time suck into taking you away from other things that need your time. And so building the, and that helps with documentation as well, because you're going to have to train folks, you're going to need documentation for things. So it kind of solves a lot of those like kind of like foundational things that you need to be sorted in order to then hand that over to a team to then be self-sufficient. And I think folks want to be self-sufficient 
they want to work on their own programs because they want yeah. to see they things want move. Responsibility. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. People don't just want to just sit there and kind of like hope for the best. Like, so if anything, it gives them that, um, and it's a great skill set. Honestly, some folks that end up being in orgs like that, or when I've been in orgs where I've run a decentralized model and trained folks and on things like they've ended up going into ops because they realize, oh, I like this, you know? <laughs> um, so it can be super useful, but um, awesome. Well, this is a great discussion. I know it could have gone con- probably a bit longer, but I think all great tips for, um, for folks who are in small teams or also those who are maybe, um, you know, right now with uh, their maybe teams getting stalled on growth. And so how do you kind of keep, keep the engine running as you would say, but in a way where uh, it makes sense. So, um, but where can, where can people find you or if they want to learn more from you, Chloe? You can find me on LinkedIn and you can find me on Twitter. Awesome. Well, we'll share links to those in the show notes uh, and the description on our website. So go and go and follow Chloe and connect with her. I know you're also very active in some of the communities. Um, and so, you know, I'm sure she'll love a message if you have a question. And, um, and yeah, and thank you for joining, especially, you know, coming back from maternity leave only a month yeah. ago. It's a lot to just it's... even take an hour out of your day to, to share. So thank you so much. Thank you. And I'm always happy to talk Mops Shop with, uh, with anyone who's, who'd, be, who'd be willing to. Awesome. Well, if you enjoyed this episode of Forward Thinking, feel free to share it with your colleagues and friends or leave us a review. And we'll see you next time. Bye.